0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: And good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio and David's pick uh, for this Thursday. So we're going to start, as we always do, with just a moment of silence. And this is my dedication, my way of of uh, honoring a very close friend of mine, J. Roy Ritchie. And... Um, We'll be talking about what J. Roy died of in a little while, uh, which he died from the effects of Agent Orange that he uh, was sprayed in Vietnam, and so we'll talk about that later. But right now, we're going to take just a moment, one minute of silence to think about our brothers and sisters that paid the ultimate price and to bless those that are on active duty now and those that are veterans retired from the military so we'll be back right after this And with that let's uh, we'll stop and amen and go from there to the other thing that we do that we always like to do is um, play our cadence call and our jodies and everybody loves our jodies and then we'll introduce our guests, a very special guest. We'll be back very shortly. Do you feel
2: like I do right now do you feel?
0: You can Oh hey, yeah.
2: Hey, yeah. man. Old man. He, can he can hang. He can hang. Young man. Young man. He can, he, can he can hang. He feels good.
1: Feels good. Okay, so we all feel good and we're up and going this morning in a beautiful day. And uh we have a guest on today that has joined us before and um I'm just uh, very thankful that he made it through. He had quite a quite a tour and quite a uh interesting job as a pilot and uh, you hear about them all the time but you don't necessarily you know you say pilot in Vietnam everybody goes to the fighter pilot but something has to keep those fighter pilots in the air and Jeff Hill was exactly that person that did that and uh, Jeff welcome back to America's Web Radio well thank you very much good and um you know, I, I have you have quite a list of things that uh, you've been involved in over the years. But uh, from your appointment in the Air Force to the Air Force Academy, to uh, it's got to be quite a quite a thing to have your degree signed by President John F. Kennedy. Yeah,
2: you know, that was uh, June fifth, nineteen sixty-three, and. That was the uh, June 5th. It was the day that uh, Kennedy spoke to our class at graduation. And um, along with him was uh, Curtis LeMay, who uh, gave us our commissions as second lieutenants.
1: Wow. That had to be quite an honor. Uh, It was.
2: It was the day that Kennedy announced the development of the supersonic transport, which never occurred here in the States. And, and of course, the Europeans... uh, uh, developed their, uh, supersonic transport separate from the United States.
1: Hm. That was, a, that had to be interesting. And my, uh, my youngest son looked into the Air Force Academy and, uh, went there and, um, uh, was accepted as a matter of fact, but decided that he wanted to stay in Texas or go to Texas and, uh, Wound up going to A&M, and he's a major in the Air Force now, so very proud of him and the service that he's performing. But one of the pictures that uh, he took while he was there was of, uh, I believe it's the chapel, is that right? Yes. With the, with the with uh, sort of like an A-frame almost? That's
2: correct. Looked like uh, a bunch of missiles.
1: <laughs> well, it, it's beautiful, and... Uh, the Air Force Academy um, is beautiful in general, and uh, we owe a lot to the Air Force Academy and the uh, number of, of folks that they've graduated that have gone on to protect our country. And uh, I think it's been
2: somewhere around fifty five thousand graduates.
1: Wow! And uh, about
2: a thousand a year right now.
1: Oh, that's that's fantastic, and uh, I know that you get a. Um, in, incredible education there, and uh, I even imagine that as a uh, freshman and uh, before you became an upperclassman, that uh, you might have uh, done a little running and uh, in formation, and maybe sung a couple of Jodies.
2: Well, that's true. <laughs> and uh, there's nothing like getting in shape at seven thousand. 250 feet above sea level. Oh,
1: um, I don't think I could breathe. I was on the
2: track team and ran the 400. Well, at that time, it was the 440-yard dash, and I was a member of the mile relay team. And we used to run the 800 uh, individual race to warm up for the mile relay because uh, when we would go to uh, lower altitudes like Miami of Florida or Western Michigan relays, um, the, our recovery rate was uh, really fast. <laughs>
1: I, I couldn't run it if I had a oxygen mask stra- uh, strapped on, you know, or a tank strapped on. But yeah. that that that's uh, high country, you can say. Yes, sir. So you went on from there. You want to give a little bit of the the rest of uh, from there to uh, your graduation ceremony, and you were commissioned by Curtis Lemay, and I think most folks uh, know that name. And uh, then you went on to uh, to air. Uh, I guess well, you you tell the story of where you went after graduation.
2: Oh well, after graduation, I was uh, sent to uh, um, <coughs> Texas to James Connolly Air Force Base for navigator training. As it turns out, looking back, the Air Force had made a mistake on my physical, determined that that I was not qualified for pilot training, but they sent me to nav training. So I got my navigator wings uh, in uh, Waco, Texas at James Connolly Air Force Base, which, by the way, is now no longer an Air Force Base. But anyway, during that time, I discovered the mistake in my physical and and wangled my way to pilot training in uh, Phoenix, Arizona at Williams Air Force Base and became a pilot. So... At least at one second in time, I was the youngest double-rated officer in the Air Force. <laughs> and uh, went on and was assigned to uh, fly the KC-135 and ended up in Merced, California, checking out in the 135 and then sent to my permanent base at Dow Air Force Base in uh, uh, Bangor, Maine. And uh, from Dow, then, we did temporary... Uh, duty tours uh, to Vietnam. Uh, Coasting out of uh, the coast of uh, California, up near San Francisco, we'd hook up with two other tankers and um, 12 fighters. So this gaggle of 15 airplanes would be on their way to Hickam Air Force Base or Honolulu International, take your choice. (laughs) And um, that was the the first stage of dragging fighters across the pond to Vietnam. So the second part of the uh, of the mission was uh, to take off the next day out of uh, Honolulu and uh, meet the two other tankers as well as the twelve fighters, and on our way to Guam, which was a I don't know I guess as I recall about an eight-hour flight. And uh, the third tanker would offload all his fuels when we were about halfway across the pond uh, to, to Guam, and he would land at, I think it was midway or whatever, and go back to Hawaii. So now we got two tankers and 12 fighters on, you know for the rest of the way to Guam, overnight at Guam. And then the next day, uh, we would uh, escort our fighters uh, to uh, uh, somewhere around Clark Air Force Base in the Philippines. And, fighters kept going to Vietnam, and we'd land at Clark to refuel. Wow! So that was uh, what we used to call the Pony Express.
1: (laughs) Okay, now, Jeff, when you say refuel, were you refueling as for just your plane, or were you refueling as for loading the tank up?
2: Oh, we'd uh, refuel just our airplane on the ground.
1: (laughs) Oh, okay. And then when would you get another load? Uh...
2: Well, it depends on where we were supposed to go. From there, we always ended up going to a place, uh, a real garden spot called Utapau, Thailand. Utapau is a base uh, that was carved out of the sand and on the coast of Thailand, just south south east of Bangkok,
3: hmm.
2: Thailand. And uh, used to be known as the Gulf of Siam. And uh, that... That uh, base had a 12,000 foot runway, I think, and um, at the first tour there was uh, uh, mostly uh, tankers who were stationed at the base, and then on my second tour, a year and a half later, or whatever, uh, they had brought the uh, B-52, some of the B-52s in from Guam to, uh, to uh, Utapau. And, of course, they had to expand the base and increase the runway. I think the runway length was increased a little bit. And then, of course, the taxiways and the revetments were were built. And um, this kind of leads into the story because in order to push back the jungle, they had they were using Agent Orange to kill the vegetation. Then guess where they put our hooches? <laughs> the hooch being the uh, manufactured housing up sitting up on concrete blocks Mm -hmm. for the crews. Now our crew was four people. We had uh, three officers, two pilots, a navigator, and a boom operator. And uh, the boomer uh, was responsible pretty much for the airplane behind the the pilot's uh, seats. And he was the load master, boom operator, you name it. And his responsibility was enormous. So we all lived together. Uh, the year generally was an E6, E7, very, very mature. And uh, that's how we lived, all together in this hooch. And guess where what? The hooch was put right where they had sprayed the Agent Orange. So mm-hmm. therein sometimes lies
1: the rub. And out of the four... The four of you, how many uh, contracted any problems or have any problems from from Agent Orange?
2: You know, you never know. I I, I don't know the answer to that question. I have no idea. I had no contact, uh, just an occasional contact with a couple of the crew members about 30, 40 years ago, and then uh, we've lost contact. So I'm not aware of anything one way or the other.
1: All right well it's you know it's our government made a mistake made a bad mistake and um, you know I I guess I always come back to the story of uh, Admiral Zumwalt and uh, his orders uh, to spray an area where his son that was a captain at the time I believe was and uh you know, he uh, he lost his son to uh, Agent Orange, and uh, well, I could read uh,
2: some stuff to you, to you about him because this 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 whole thing was critical about his involvement. Um, there was a study done, of course, and uh, the as it turns out, Admiral Zumwalt was asked by President, I think it was President Kennedy, to spray, and you're right, uh, his son was a. Brownwater Navy officer and of course the Brownwater Navy was the first evidently the first ones to spray and um, he ended up uh, dying according to his father of Asian Orange issues and um, he died at the age of 42 in 1988 and Zumwalt did a complete reversal of his thinking and Zumwalt was convinced that the cause was Asian Orange. And then in '89, Zumwalt was appointed special assistant on Agent Orange issues to his friend Edward uh, Dorwinski as Secretary of the Veterans Affairs. And then when they were testifying in that capacity in 1990, Zumwalt told Congress that the CDC study and the Air Force study were absolutely without merit because they kind of tended to whitewash this whole deal. Uh, Zumwalt said in a quote, the sad truth that emerges from my work is not only that there is credible evidence linking certain cancers and other illnesses with Agent Orange, but the government and industry officials created credited with the examining such linkage intentionally manipulated or withheld compelling information of the adverse health effects associated with exposure to the toxic contaminants contained in Agent Orange. Hmm. that set them back on their
1: haunches. Oh, I bet it did. Uh, You know, and the one, not good thing, but one thing that it took years and years and years for the government to recognize it and uh, do anything about it, whereas, thank goodness, as far as the burn pits are concerned regarding the Gulf War, they at least, uh, at least Congress has gone ahead and started acting on it, and taking care of our veterans like they should be taken care of. And uh, Agent Orange, I, you know, I haven't kept track of it closely by any means, but uh, at the same token, Agent Orange will, in fact, continue to come up as long as there are Vietnam veterans still alive.
2: Well, let me explain. I- least uh, uh, my explanation for it uh, is done by you know derived from a lot of reading about this not necessarily research or from us from that standpoint but just reading once you have this Agent Orange uh, cancer my cancer is uh, multiple myeloma which is bone marrow cancer and um, uh, there's more to it uh, if, if I might give you the sequence you might be able to put this thing in perspective is uh uh, during my uh, uh, civilian uh, life I've uh, been a, a squash player and uh, in 2014 uh, here I was at 73 years old uh, doing well playing squash and then one day uh, I started to notice a little problem um, walking up and down the stairs of the bedroom from the living room and I uh, then I noticed uh, a slowdown in my play, and uh, just coincidentally, one of my partners, who, whom I all respected, and and uh, he was uh, always the kind of guy who, who you knew where you stood with him. And he, one day after we had played, and he uh, beat me severely, he said, uh, Jeff, uh, you look like H.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: and I said oh and I was uh, leaning up against the wall and that was the, the time I thought I better do something here because something is not right and so what's the point? The point is that this stuff these symptoms for me, I'm talking about my own experience, I don't know about anybody else was the fact that the, the symptoms came on very quickly the loss of focus tired all the time, having a hard time going up and down the steps, and uh, that was the symptoms that I experienced um, on the onset of this cancer. So I went to the VA doctor whom I had established a relationship with, and he was probably one of the best doctors in the whole Atlanta VA, and uh, told him my situation, and he looked at me and he said, you're anemic. So I sat down in the chair next to his desk in the computer, and in about a minute and a half later, he said, you're going to go to the hematologist next Monday. That's how fast it was. This was a Thursday. The following Monday, I'm at the hematologist, and within 20 minutes, they had had the diagnosis, and they said, Jeff, make make your claim for benefits because your claim is going to cross with our diagnosis of multiple myeloma. So that's when it happened. And it happened about the latter part of 2014. The official rating came out in the beginning of 2015. And I found myself the week later in chemo. After they had done a bunch of tests and uh, uh, x-rays and so on and so forth, they found um, lesions on my spine at T9 and T10. And that's how they knew I had cancer. So I was in chemo immediately, probably within a week. And I have to say, the VA has treated me exceedingly well. I have no problem with that. My doctor uh, at the VA, at uh, the general practitioner, was a Vietnamese refugee, and he had escaped from Vietnam and gone to medical school here in the United States. And uh, He's the guy that really saw what – he he, he looked right through it, and he he somehow knew that I was vulnerable. He says, I understand you were in Vietnam. I said, yes, sir. And he said, "Uh, here's what I think. You're going to the hematologist. So it was immediate, the diagnosis.
1: Wow. You know, uh, Jeff, in your reading and so forth, do you know if any – Study or any research has been done on on the Vietnamese with regard to Agent Orange.
2: Well, of course. I mean, there's huge, there's a lot of stories about that. It's still going on. Um, that what's kind of disappointing right now is the United States government has been somewhat reluctant to uh, uh, commit any. You know substantial amounts of money to to uh, help the Vietnamese there's there are horror stories of Vietnamese kids uh, being born with defects and um, more recently uh, they're doing these studies in Laos because the Asian orange was dropped in Laos and there are like uh, as I recall the number in excess of 500 cases of um, Children being born deformed hmm. because the the Asian Orange was dropped along the Ho Chi Minh Trail at the Laotian Vietnamese border, and so a lot of those uh, communities were se- severely affected by the the, the by def- deformation of the newborn kids, and uh, it's really a sad story.
1: Oh, I, I guess, and you uh, know it's sort of, you know, I don't know which side of the fence you stand on. You know, we were, they may not have called it a war, but we were at war. And, uh, you know, and I don't know. I haven't got the answer.
2: Well, uh, you know, uh, to give you the uh, what answer I might have, and, and it's not my thought, it's just, if you ever have a chance <laughs> to read the Rome Convention or the Geneva Convention. Uh, I was uh, able I read about those about a year ago and the Roma Convention I don't know all the details of these conventions but the, the, the Roma Convention is very specific about the use of Agent Orange and it by name mentions Agent Orange and according to that convention the use of Agent Orange would be considered a war crime today Hmm. as I recall the Geneva Convention doesn't specifically name Agent Orange but chemical warfare could be considered depending as a as a um, you know a crime a war crime so you know it's pretty serious stuff so it depends on which, if somebody were to be, to, to be charged under the Rome Convention, they could very easily be can, be charged with a war crime. I don't know, I'm no attorney, but I just happened to look up those two, two conventions. And that's what
1: it said. Hmm. And, and yet the Vietnamese would say, well, we're not under the Geneva Convention because we didn't sign it.
2: Yeah, there you go. There you go.
1: And uh, you know it—it's just a matter of whoever said war is hell. There, there's no, there's no beauty in war. And well, I,
2: to give you a little history of this uh, situation was back in the fifties. You remember that the British were fighting off the communists in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. So the Brits were buying. Agent Orange and these chemicals in order to spray the jungle to get rid of the commies and um, to fight against the the communist takeover of Malaysia. Well, it just so happened that President Chu of South Vietnam happened to notice this and asked uh, President Kennedy to spray South Vietnam and there was a lot of conjecture about that. And finally, the one of the services, of an army general, prevailed, and they started to spray uh, Vietnam. And I, I think they started on a small basis uh, in about 1964. My uh, my time there was 66 through 68 on their two tours. So, my I think my the bulk of my situation occurred when. After my first tour of Vietnam and uh, spending most of my time in Udupao, Thailand, every base in Thailand was sprayed as well as 20% of South Vietnam. And what happened is, is that uh, as the B-52s were moved in, of course, they sprayed more jungle. And, of course, their excuse was this was being used as a defoliant, right. which it was, and very effectively. And um, so they moved our hooches and as I said before, the hooches were right on top of where they had sprayed and cut the jungle back.
1: Uh, Jeff, so they uh, might have, Jeff, let me interrupt you, and let's come yes, back sir. to that. We've got to take our, our break. Uh, uh, let us run through one, but I can't, can't run through the second one. So we're going to okay, take a break, no and we'll be right back with Jeff Hill right after this.
3: Hi, this is Rocky Blair, former four-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Vietnam veteran.
0: I want to encourage all Georgia veterans to consider being nominated to the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And if you are a Georgia veteran, then the definition of a Georgia veteran is either you were born in the state of Georgia or you've lived here 10 years or you were raised your right hand and joined the military in this state, you are considered a Georgia veteran. For further information, go to www.gmbhof.org or you can contact me at 678-427-0915. We'd love to have your nomination for the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. Thank you so much.
1: And we do thank you for listening, and want to uh, thank all the folks that are supporting the radio station through becoming patrons. You can become a patron, and you can also subscribe to our newsletter and be the first to know, just by going to our homepage, and you'll see a little uh, button there that says uh, Become a Patron, and we'd love for you to become a patron, and... uh, we appreciate those that have and certainly appreciate the, the fact that that's what brings. We're able to bring stories like Jeff Hill's story right now and many other veterans stories as well as great medical shows and many other shows that no, no other station in the country handles like we do. So, Jeff, welcome back to America's Web Radio and the story that you're telling about Agent Orange today. You were you, you all were in a hooch that was constructed right on the site where Agent Orange had been sprayed, correct? That's correct. What, let me ask uh, how long or so you're, you're living in this hooch, a uh, small house, and uh, breathing this stuff all the time, I suppose. Is that the conclusion that your doctors assumed?
2: Well, I don't know is breathing and touching and so on and so forth uh, I'm not up on the um on the on that process but if you're exposed you're exposed whether it's be via breathing or actual touching I don't know but uh, it it just happened to happen every base in Thailand was sprayed by the way Hmm. And uh, 20% of uh, South Vietnam. And so I have these guys that I know, like through the VA, uh, uh, you know, American Legion, uh, VFW, saying, well, I, I was in Vietnam, but I wasn't exposed. Well, that's total baloney, because that's, that's a statement born out of ignorance. Here's what happens when they sprayed. A lot of the spray never came down for days. Never touched the earth's surface for days because of the, you know, the the wind, mm-hmm. updrafts, downdrafts, so on and so forth. So generally, when they sprayed, using South Vietnam as an example, the, they were using C one twenty three Ks, obsolescent uh, Air Force aircraft, to find a new a new uh, uh, life. They would spray information and uh, let's say the first aircraft was going to spray uh, agent orange and then uh, let's say the second airplane was going to spray agent blue because there was agent orange agent purple agent blue agent white blah 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 depending on who cooked it so let's take for example just for the heck of discussion let's say agent orange was cooked at a thousand degrees and let's say the uh, his wingman was um, loaded with Agent Blue because there was no distinction made by these people, and Agent Blue was cooked at a thousand and a half degrees. And you say, so what? Well, when they when they cook these chemicals at these high degree, uh, high temperatures, the molecules for the dioxins that are created from the cooking process. By the way, the dioxins are labeled as probably the most evil chemicals known to man so when the dioxins were created at a different temperature their molecules uh, on agent blue were probably slightly different than the molecules on the agent orange but when they were mixed together from those uh, from the wind uh, it, it's not uh, it's not a, uh, a arithmetic Factor, it, in other words, it's not 1 plus 1 equals 2 times more toxic. It's 1 plus 1 equals 1,600 times more toxic. In other words, when these dioxins, who like each other, combine, their toxic level goes 1,600 times more toxic. So it could be 10 miles away, and the Agent Orange, Agent Blue, falls on the, you know, on the, the trees and the bushes and the ground, in the water, and you're a soldier, guess what? Mm-hmm. It's 1,600 times more toxic.
1: Let me ask, what, so, what altitude were they spraying at?
2: They were pretty low. I would, you know, I'm going to guess maybe a couple thousand feet, if, if that.
1: But you can still get a a pretty good deal of, of, a pretty oh, good deal of drift the, from
0: that You know
2: the thunderstorms in uh, Southeast Asia are formidable you know that stuff could be taken up to to uh thirty thousand feet mm-hmm. and this is where the the powers that be are ignorant with regard to for example it's just recently until the guys in the blue water Navy were able to get some sort of Relief, right. because a lot of times these the, obviously the chemicals were sprayed over the landmass of South Vietnam, and the and the wind took it out to sea. And these and the Navy guys are in, they're, they're sucking the water up out of the ocean to wash their clothes and cook their food. Well, guess what? They were getting they were getting affected
1: also. You know, let me. Uh, I don't know if we discussed this. Uh, in one of our earlier chats but uh my degrees in agriculture and i farmed while i was going to school and um this is one reason that you have your crop dusters and those guys are are nuts but i've we've sprayed my farm with with defoliant we used to use defoliant uh you know if 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 we hadn't had a first freeze by November or late October, then we would probably defoliate the cotton so it would stop growing and we could harvest. And uh, these, I mean, that uh, when they say crop duster, they are literally, you know, a few feet off the ground spraying this stuff. And uh, and it's the same. We didn't call it Agent Orange or anything else. It was just we were spraying a defoliant. And uh, well,
2: according to but I've just recently read that you know we have some of these defoliants, so the farm chemicals uh, that are just reduced versions and reduced uh, power of Agent
1: Orange. And I'm sure that's very true uh, because yeah. you know within days you could see the the leaves uh, you know it looked like they'd been hit by a burst of hot air or something, but they had they had start dying. The plants would start dying here's and
2: a, here's part of this whole situation, when you are exposed to these chemicals, not all the time does it affect you uh, immediately at all, because it has been known that the uh, the dioxins that are created by the uh, cooking process of Agent Orange reside in your fatty tissue. Now in my case, I was let's say uh, nineteen sixty eight when I might have contacted this stuff and there's another reason there's another way to contact Agent Orange when I cont- or may have originally been able to cont- be in contact with Agent Orange, um, I was twenty eight year twenty seven years old. My age at diagnosis was seventy four the average age of diagnosis for Agent Orange exposure is 69 years old. So the math works out Mm -hmm. because these dioxins hide in your fatty tissue. Now as you get older, let's say you get a little thinner, well here come the dioxins out of your fatty tissue and therein lies the rub. A lot of guys think, you know, make it to 69, let's say, and they have no problems. And all of a sudden, they start to, you know, get thinner and so on and so forth. Here come the dioxins, and they get in denial about this. I've had many, many of my of friends and acquaintances at various organizations say, well, uh, I was in Vietnam, but I wasn't exposed. Well, let me tell you, you were in Vietnam, you were exposed. You just don't know it. And you would not know it for maybe thirty, forty, forty-five
1: years. That's and so it's scary. very insidious. And these
2: guys who say, "Well, I'm okay, I wasn't exposed," are just whistling Dixie. So, to give you another example of the insidious nature of the dioxin molecules, is uh, on the um, there's a there's a paper you can go fill out at the VA called a. Asian Orange uh, survey. The first question was, where were you and when were you? So that would be dictated by your DD-214, possibly. And the second question is, when were your children born? And I thought to myself, what? The, why do they want to know that? And then it all, all of a sudden came to me. They want to know what their liability tail is. Because Unfortunately for me, my children were conceived prior to going to Vietnam, because this stuff can be transferred to your wife, your husband if you're a female, and can last. These things, these dioxin molecules, have a half-life of anywhere between 15 and 30 years. Wow! So this stuff can go on for generations. I've I've seen as many as seven and eight a guys, you know, making predictions. I've seen literature saying, you know, this could, this could last for seven generations, being passed on down to your grandchildren your great grandchildren, and so on and so forth. But if you were, if your children were were conceived prior to any contact with Asian orange, you're you're okay. But anywhere afterwards, Katie bar the door.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: At least the government is recognizing, and well, you hope so. Yeah,
2: they—I've they, never seen any. I, I've seen them hint at that, um, and they have made progress. Let's face it, and that's that. This is that theory of. Oh, I've had people say to me, even vets, who have a bad attitude about all this stuff is, well, you know, they haven't proved anything. You have the naysayers. Okay, and uh, we get to the, to the subject of the principle of presumption. And um, for more than 10 years, uh, the Congress had been asking questions about Agent Orange. And eventually, patience was running out on, uh, on Capitol Hill and in February of 1991, the Agent Orange Act passed the Senate by a vote of 99 to zero and the House by 412 to zero. The law said that any veteran of military, naval, or air service in Vietnam would be presumed to have been exposed to a herbicide containing dioxins and, and that there would be a presumption of service connection if the veteran contracted a disease specified in the act. So in my case, it's specified in the act, multiple myeloma. Um, The Medical conditions were listed as non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, soft tissue sarcoma, and chloracne. Then the law further assigned primary responsibility for Agent Orange to the VA, Redesignated in 1989 as the Depart- Department of Veterans Affairs, but keeping its old initials, <clears throat> and it was named the National and named the National Academy of Sciences Sciences to review and evaluate available scientific evidence and advise the VA. And if warranted, the VA can't could add to the list of diseases. So, as far as I know, there are more diseases being added. Uh, and uh, I'm not familiar with exactly which ones, but uh, anyway, uh, one of them, I believe, is ALS. And uh, anyway, the law further assigned primary responsibility for Agent Orange to the VA, redesignated as the Department of Veteran Affairs. We've already talked about that.
1: Mm-hmm. And um, if
2: warranted, the VA could add to the list of diseases. Well, we have a problem: with the budget. You know how, how how sincere is the is the government going to fund all this stuff because it's expensive. Now, to give you an example, one one example, I've been told by the VA that the chemo that I take every day costs four hundred and seventy six dollars a pill, which I believe runs around twelve thousand five hundred dollars a month for the rest of my life. So you can do the math. Wow, it's expensive. Now, the VA tells you that Revlimid, which is what I take, is the old thalidomide that used to sell for 75 cents a pill, and now it's $476 a pill. Fortunately, they pay for that and, uh, to keep me alive. Hmm. So questions about exposure to Agent Orange and its effects were no longer relevant. All that mattered was which veterans and which diseases qualified for presumption.
1: Well, wow. Jeff, we're going to so, have to... came
2: amen. So if you were in Vietnam, I think for a day or longer, you and you've got multiple myeloma, you could pre- be presumed to have been caused by Asian orange. right.
1: We're going to have to... Let me stop you there. We're going to take our last break before the show's over, and uh, we'll come back to you in just about two minutes. Yes, sir.
3: Hi, this is Rocky Blair former four-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Vietnam veteran. As a board member, I'd like to talk to you about Warriors to Citizen, a nonprofit organization that helps American heroes, soldiers, police, fire, EMT, and their families recover from the psychological harm caused by career-induced stress. Over the last 20 years, broken relationships have been a major causal factor for the highest document divorce rate and resulting suicides in this population.
0: HOF.org, or you can contact me at 678-427-0915. We'd love to have your nomination for the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. Thank you so much. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: And you're listening to David's Pick, and today we've got Jeff Heal on, and uh, we've been talking about uh, with Jeff Agent Orange and uh, Jeff is a uh, I guess uh, a term would be a victim of agent Orange and um, I'm sorry for the the suffering that you've gone through Jeff and uh, it was it was uh, scary enough just to hear what you did you were a pilot and flew the tankers that the refueling tanker and uh, that's enough to scare me to death, but you know, I, I guess in many ways you probably were you aware that where your hooch was was the area that had been sprayed?
2: Was I aware at the time that it was being sprayed?
1: Yeah. Uh, that, no, absolutely that it had not. Been.
2: Never oh. told us a thing.
1: Oh, jeez.
2: So it was kept uh, under wraps. Never said a word. I've, I can't you know, I don't remember anything during my tour because they just decided... To. They they hid behind the fact that this was a defoliant as opposed to, you know, to get rid of body, you know, to kill people with it. Yeah. And um, so uh, there's a lot of blame to go around, believe me. There's a lot of finger-pointing. And uh, it's a bad, bad... Time of with our government and so on and so forth, and uh, I just—it's—it's it's really a sad situation that this could happen.
1: Oh, and to add to that, I have a uh, another friend that um, you know they were ordered, just like all of us, going through uh, basic training or AIT or whatever. Uh, you don't know where they're marching you to, and all of a sudden you're in front of the a uh, medic that's giving out shots and uh, this friend was ordered to take a shot and he said okay what, what is it and what's it for and we can't tell you it's classified and you know for the government to be able to do that I just find you know highly Repulsed, uh, that you know, and and it's like with Agent Orange. Uh, if they hadn't done the testing like they should have, that knew to know the effects. You know, again, when I was farming, and this was all during Vietnam. As a matter of fact, we were warned about you know the drift, the uh, uh, staying away from it, staying away you know, from the defoliant and so forth. And, you know, I, I guess if I've ever been disappointed in our government is the fact that they can slap a classified on it and you don't know what they're doing to you or what they're doing with you. And I, I find that, and, and yet I understand a lot of the reasoning in that, that a lot of folks, myself probably included, couldn't take the truth if we knew it. And yet, I think we deserve, if we're serving our country, the country should serve us as well. Exactly.
2: Well, there were a lot of, obviously, uh, from what I've read, uh, uh, there was a lot of pushback on this also. Originally, Kennedy, uh, President Kennedy, didn't want to use it. He was, for some reason uh, overridden by the army because they saw this as a great tactical tool to help defeat their enemy, and you can't blame them. And um, they sometimes uh, I think during this whole process, the chemical companies like Dow and Monsanto and so on and so forth did not want to sell this to the uh, DOD because they, they knew What the ramifications were. Hmm. They knew about the dioxins, and they they were overpowered by the the federal government, and made to sell this stuff to them so they could use it in Vietnam. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on here, a lot of cross-currents. And how do you place the blame? I don't know. It doesn't make any difference now. You just have to deal with it.
1: Yeah, (sighs) there... Yeah, you hit it right on the head. You just have to deal with it, and your family has to deal with it. And this is something that um, we always we're really pushing right now. Uh, we, I think, we helped. We tried anyway. That when uh, the uh, personnel record center was shut down for a year, this. This was costing lives when veterans needed to get copies of their DD-214s or whatever the situation might be, and they couldn't because the uh, personnel record center was closed. And, uh, well,
2: it, they, the excuse they used, and whether it was true or not, was that there was a huge fire in wow. St. Louis at well, the record center.
1: Well, that was that was several years ago. This was, this was all due to COVID in Washington. Oh, I see. Okay, and uh, they closed it down for a year, and uh, we finally got and I had two colonels, uh, one general, and uh, two U.S. representatives helping us to get get them to open it back up with at least a skeleton crew. And uh, you know, these people were getting paid for doing nothing for over a year. And that's that's deplorable. And when guys are dying because they need to get needed to get their records, you know, it just it's it's it was crazy. So we worked on that, and thankfully, uh, it's back to operational now. Well, a a little a a story.
2: Uh, I I had some uh, Navy submariners uh, uh, experience uh, this this problem because they were on these secret submarine missions off the coast of, of um, South or North Vietnam and uh, they couldn't get any benefits from Agent Orange uh, um, compensation because the fact that they were there was never written down so they couldn't prove mm. that they were within a certain number of miles of the coast of South Vietnam therefore they weren't eligible for any help I mean, how bad is
1: that? That's it's worse than bad. Uh, If we can help them, let me know. Uh, I mean, Blue Water. I was thankful that uh, Trump signed Blue Water, and uh, yeah, they finally,
2: evidently, I think, resolved it. But then they put a they're going to delay the benefit payments. Uh, Something about that.
1: That's ludicrous. Yeah. Um, Whatever. You know, I have the money. I, uh, my feeling is I would like for a number of our representatives, or in fact, I, I have this thing lodged in my head that I don't think a uh, person should run for office that hadn't served. Uh, okay. we, uh, we just had Rick McCormick on, Dr. Rick McCormick. Who not only served but he was an era uh, marine pilot and uh, you know he's a great ER doctor and he's running for uh, 7th district uh, for the house. So Mm -hmm. uh, Rick's a uh, we just had him on and he's a fantastic human being and he will make one hell of a good representative because he's been there done that and can talk the talk. And, uh, God bless you. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, I I'm still amazed at at what you did when you were flying a tanker and refueling. I I think of you often, um, Jeff just just because of uh, and I I will be praying for you now on, on the Agent Orange situation that um, you know it's it's a shame for those that have raised their hand, and you know it's 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 terrible when they're wounded or killed in action and it's almost worse with the Agent Orange folks that are suffering it's It's like uh, there there may be an end, but it's 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 like you can't get rid of the mud on your boots, you know. And uh, it, it it has to bring back some, uh, some flashback memories and, you know, did I do right or did I do wrong? And all I can say is that the population of the United States owes each and every one of our veterans a big thank you and a big hug and a kiss for... You know, you had no idea, nobody had any idea that they would be exposed to something like this. And, you know, all we can do is support our government to take care of our veterans now. And we ask that, we certainly ask that they do. Rick Hill, it's been a pleasure talking with you again. As always, I ask, will you come back? Alrighty, you got a deal we'll we'll get with uh our favorite colonel rick white retired and uh see what he can do about getting you back on and we'll uh, we'll be talking soon i'm sure and god bless you and and all the others that uh, were exposed to agent orange or exposed to war period that's bad enough as it is and uh Again, we thank you for your service, and thank you for being with us today. Well,
0: thank you, sir. Take care. You too, sir. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.